the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. I believe the Bible is the inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God. And so whatever the prevailing scientific theory is today, if it disagrees with what the Bible says, I'm going with the Bible, okay? But that's really what it's going to come down to for all of us. Do you believe the Bible is the inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God. People have opinions about everything. No matter what the issue, you can find a variety of different views. So how do you know what's true? Well, in this message, Pastor Dan shares that when it comes to things in the Bible, it's all about if you believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God, infallible and without error. If this is your foundation, then you can trust that the things written about in the book of Genesis or any other part of the Bible really happen. You can know that His Word is true. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 3 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Jesus tied his crucifixion to Moses in the wilderness, raising up the serpent on the pole. As the children of Israel going through the wilderness found in numbers. He said, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. Again, you have many theologians today who say Moses never existed. The exodus never happened. Jesus ties his crucifixion to an event that happened in the wilderness among the children of Israel, when Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And then, in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus tied his resurrection to the story of Jonah, saying, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. They stand or fall together. Do you believe the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Of course I do. I'm a Christian. He rose the third day. Do you believe the story of Jonah and the fish? Oh, God, I don't know. I don't know. He doesn't give us that wiggle room. It's almost as if Jesus knew that we would live in a day and an age where people start doubting the Bible. And people start saying, the Bible's not true. Genesis isn't true. Jonah's not true. There was no Moses. There was no Exodus. There was no time in the wilderness. You can't put a bronze serpent on a staff and raise it up and people look at it and they're saved. That's that's just folklore. That's just make-believe. And so what does Jesus do? He takes the most important core doctrines of Christianity, His death, His resurrection, His second coming, 
And he ties them to those stories. And he says, you have to believe those are literal if you're going to believe my death for you on the cross was literal and my resurrection was literal and my second coming is literal. Ha! I love it. I love it. (laughs) Really, if you believe Genesis 1-1 is true, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, you're not going to have any problems with any of the other things you find in the Bible. If you have trouble with Genesis 1-1, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, you're going to have trouble with a lot of things in the Bible. So that's a couple examples from Jesus. Let's quickly look at a couple examples from Peter. So we're going to turn now to 2 Peter chapter 2. What did the apostles think about Genesis? How did they interpret Genesis? 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter talks about the flood of Noah. Uh, He says in verse 4, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned and cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and look at verse 5, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward, who live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked, for the righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds, then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. Again, he's talking about the day of judgment here. Verse 5 shows that Peter believed the Genesis account of a global flood, flooding the whole world, all of mankind being judged. He believed it as a historical event. And he believed, we're told, that only eight people survived the flood, just as it's, it's recorded in, in Genesis. Verse 6 tells us he also believed the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah, that it was a historical event, just as it's described in Genesis. He took it all literally, even down to the number of people that survived the flood. And he saw it as a global flood, not a regional flood. Why do I point that out? Again, you've got many theologians and Bible teachers and professors and seminaries that say, well, it was just a regional flood. It wasn't a global flood. That's not what it says in Genesis, and that's not the way the apostles interpreted it. They saw it as a global flood. Wiped out the whole human race, except for eight people. Now, just look over in the next chapter, chapter 3, verse 1. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this, they willfully forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded 
with water, but the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Again, he's talking here about the judgment that will come upon the earth at the end of the age. And he tells us here in chapter 3 that in the last day, scoffers will come and they will scoff at the idea of there being a judgment. That God is going to judge the world and judge people for their sin. There are many scoffers today who scoff at that idea. Peter tells us there will be scoffers who will say, and this is what he says here, pay attention to what he says. They will say, basically, God has never judged the earth before. All things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. There's never been a judgment. There will never be a judgment. Everything will just continue on as it always has. And Peter says, to say that, you must willfully forget what Genesis says. Genesis clearly teaches that God created the heavens and the earth. That's what Peter says here. And that God judged this earth with a flood in the days of Noah. And to say otherwise, you have to willfully forget what Genesis says. And one translation says you have to deliberately ignore this fact. And so Peter took it literally. He took Genesis literally and as history. And he says what Genesis says about the creation of the heavens and the earth and what Genesis says about the flood is obvious to everyone. I think Peter would be very surprised by the confusion and the doubt that is prevalent in so much of the church today. And Peter would say, you have to deliberately ignore what Genesis clearly says to arrive at that conclusion. Now, a couple more passages for us. I've saved the best for last. So let's turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Now we're going to look at what the Apostle Paul thought. Again, remember, there's over 200 References we could look at. And we're having a hard time getting through seven in time here. Here in Romans chapter 5. Man, this is wonderful. These last two uh, sections we're going to look at. Paul gives a theological explanation. For the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. For our salvation. And his entire explanation that he gives here in Romans chapter 5. Hinges on Adam being a real historical person who really sinned in a garden and fell. Romans 5.12 Therefore, just as through one man, he's talking about Adam, one man, sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sin. So here, verse 12, Paul explains that sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death entered the world through Adam's sin. Again, he's explaining where does sin come from? Why do we sin? Why are we all sinners? Where does death come from? Why do we all die? He's explaining it to us using Genesis. He's going all the way back to Adam. And he's telling us through Adam, sin entered the world. And through Adam's sin, death entered in the world. 
So Adam is the source of sin and Adam is the source of death in the world. That means there was no death in the world before Adam and before Adam sinned. Again, evolutionary theory says there is millions and millions and millions of years of death in the world before man was, came into existence. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says and teaches that sin and death came into the, into the world through Adam, who was created at the beginning of creation on the sixth day. We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app. We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now. Search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com. What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth. Give me your attention. I believe the Bible is the inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God. And so whatever the prevailing scientific theory is today, if it disagrees with what the Bible says, I'm going with the Bible, okay? But that's really what it's going to come down to for all of us. Do you believe the Bible is the inspired, inerrant, infallible word of God? And authoritative. And for me it is. So he goes on here, verse 13 For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. We all sin. Our sin may not look like Adam's sin, but we all sin. Who is a type of him who was to come. Now look at verse 15. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What this passage is explaining to us is that what, what Adam ruined 
through his disobedience, Jesus redeemed through his obedience. Through Adam came sin and death into the world. Through Jesus Christ came righteousness and eternal life. In other words, Jesus' atoning death on the cross reverses the consequence of Adam's disobedience. That's what, that's what Paul is explaining here, inspired by the Holy Spirit. So if Adam was not a real person through whom sin and death entered the world, if he never really existed, if Genesis 1-3 to is all mythology, then the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ is stripped of its meaning and its purpose, and the gospel loses its coherence. Because Jesus came to die on the cross to reverse what happened because of Adam. Do you see that? He's tying it back to Adam. Now, real quick, turn with me over to 1 Corinthians 15, and we'll finish up. So, we just looked at how Paul ties the crucifixion, the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ back to Adam. Now, he's going to tie the resurrection back to Adam. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, which is a metaphor for death. For since by man came death, speaking of Adam, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. By Adam came death. By Jesus came the resurrection of the dead. Jesus provides the antidote for death. The resurrection. Now verse 22. For as in Adam, all die. How do I know if I'm in Adam? Because I die. Even so, in Christ, all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. He's talking about the resurrection, the order of the resurrection here. Now skip down to verse 45. And so it is written, the first Man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. He calls Jesus the last Adam. The last Adam. Not the second Adam. You and I are the second Adam. Right? We're in that line. We're we're in Adam's line. He, He calls Jesus the last Adam. Every person since Adam has been just like Adam and sin, except for Jesus Christ. You know, if you were to make two columns on a piece of paper, and at the top of one column you wrote the word disobedient, and at the top of the second column you wrote obedient, in the disobedient column you could put everybody's name from Adam down to today, including all of us. We've all been disobedient. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. On the obedient side, the obedient column, you would put the name of Jesus Christ and his name only. We're all in Adam. So he goes on here again, verse 45. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. What is he talking about here? He's he's saying 
hey, we have borne the image of Adam. How do I know that we've all borne the image of Adam? Because we all sin. And not only do we all sin, we like to blame other people for our sin. Just like Adam did. Lord, it was the woman you gave me. We don't take ownership of our sin. We make excuses. We have Adam's sin nature. That's, that's obvious, right? That's obvious. Paul says here, we are now like the earthly man, but we will someday be like the heavenly man. Jesus Christ. We're like Adam now, but one day we're going to be like Jesus. One day we're going to move from Adam's column to Jesus's column. And, and you hear that and you think, okay, well, 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 then when? When is that going to happen? Well, he tells us at the resurrection. Look at verse 50. Here's how it's going to go down. Now, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. All of us will be changed, changed from Adam's column to Jesus's column, from the disobedient column to the obedient column. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O hell, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is. Is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul explains this transformation we will experience at the resurrection. And he explains that Jesus came into the world to solve the problem of sin that began with the first man, the first Adam. And, and one day, Jesus will transform us and change us and give us a new body that is conformed into his glorious body. And we will no longer be like Adam. We'll be like Jesus. Now, none of that makes sense if there was never really an Adam. You know, you can imagine the Corinthians, if they received this letter and they, they think, well, Genesis is just allegory. It's just metaphor. There never really was an Adam. Man evolved. He, didn't, he wasn't created. They're going to read that. And say, what is Paul talking about? Paul's got to know there's never been an Adam. Now, as we look in the text, we look at the New Testament, Jesus and the apostles both took Genesis as straightforward, accurate, literal history. There's no hint anywhere in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, that it was meant to be metaphorical at all. And they build a lot of their theological explanations on Genesis. And on Genesis being true history and literal. Now, do you have to believe that Genesis is history to be saved? No. You need to believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins personally, was buried, and resurrected the third day to be saved. But as a follower of Jesus, we should want what we believe about the Bible to be in line with what Jesus believed about the Bible. He asked me how I know, and I say,
You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton as he teaches verse by verse through the book of Genesis. This Old Testament book of history and the start of what God created teaches you much about God's plan for the future. We hope you'll continue to tune in for Pastor Dan's studies. If you ever have any questions about what you've heard or would like someone to pray with, would you give us a call? You can reach us by calling 410-491-4592. Once again, that number is 410-491-4592. You can also fill out the prayer request form at calvaryec.com. Just click on the Connect tab to access it. We'd love to meet you in person, too. If you're in Columbia, Maryland, please join us this weekend for worship and studying Scripture together at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. There will be time to meet your brothers and sisters in Christ, too, and to spend time in prayer. We look forward to sharing this time of worship together with you. You'll find service times and directions at our website, calvaryec.com. While you're there, be sure to check out additional teachings from the Bible. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Once more, that's calvaryec.com. That's all we have time for today. There's much more to gain through this study through the book of Genesis. So be sure to join us next time on Ring of Truth. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.